In a message smuggled out of the White House, COVID-19 is begging to be rescued from the body of Donald Trump. In the coded note addressed to the public, the disease said, quote, help, this animal is killing me. It's like what he did to Joe Biden in the last debate, only worse because I'm stuck in here. I feel like the dog who caught the car, except instead of a car, it's that train from the movie Snowpiercer that keeps catching fire while everyone inside runs riot. I was so much happier when Andrew Cuomo was sending me into nursing homes to kill helpless old people. This is all just a terrible mistake. Please get me out of here, unquote. Trump caught COVID-19, or is it sometimes called the Chinese flu, or the Wu flu, the Kung flu, the flu Manchu, the egg flu young. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Trump caught COVID-19 after hunting it for six months through treacherous terrain, including press conferences and other putrid swamps crawling with reptilian predators. Once he caught the poor virus, he began to torture it by running it through a body that has already crushed 58,000 McDonald's French fries, 232 Democrat congresspeople, as well as other types of greasy toxins intent on destroying him. As the virus pleaded for help, Trump tweeted, quote, don't be afraid of COVID, a message received by reporters cowering under their cars where they had fallen after tripping over one another while running for their lives. As CNN's Brian Stelter shrieked in a trembling, high-pitched voice after throwing his skirt over his face, quote, how can we not be afraid of COVID? Haven't you heard what we've been telling people all these months? If we weren't afraid, it would look like we were a bunch of corrupt and dishonest hypocrites trying to spread terror in order to get people to surrender their freedoms. And that would make me cry, unquote. Despite its pitiable pleas for help, COVID's condition has apparently worsened after it was also caught by Kaylee McEnany. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. All right, we are back laughing our way through the fall of the Republic. I'm uh, sorry I missed Monday, but nothing was going on anyway, so it was a quiet day and, uh, you know, you could get through it. Uh, please go on YouTube and subscribe to the Andrew Claven channel, my specific channel, because the Daily Wire and I have split our channels apart, not because I'm leaving the Daily Wire, but only because the Daily Wire is embarrassed uh, to be associated with me. Uh, if you are there, leave a... Uh, a comment, subscribe, ring the bell so that you can get uh, new content from me, including my openings and other content that's not even on the show, and leave a comment. And if the comment is just absurd enough, we will add it to the show uh, as a way of raising the content of our show. Uh, we have one today from Amber Katie who says, my husband was liberal until he heard you spell out Clavin. Uh, it does. It's like magic. I know. It's really amazing. Uh, so listen, you don't need me to tell you that the behavior of the press and other leftists during Donald Trump's illness has been absolutely appalling. Headline after headline blaming Trump for getting ill because he hasn't behaved like the scared, trembling little toad the media want all of us to be. Doctors from the school of Twitter and even real doctors on TV have been second-guessing the president's team and declaring he was in danger, and even a couple of them wishing him dead. It's been disgusting stuff. Now, Jonah Goldberg over at The Dispatch says we're in the midst of a troll addiction epidemic. He writes... Just as there are a lot of liberals and Trump critics who want to be vile jackasses about Trump's predicament, there are lots of conservatives and Trump supporters who want them to behave that way. 
Each side has an incentive structure to pick the worst examples of the other side and say, see, this is what they're all like. And there's truth in this. There's even wisdom in it, which is what I expect from Jonah. And yes, there's always blame enough for both sides. But above that level stands what Samuel Coleridge called the clerisy, the intelligentsia, who are surely the primary source of this dysfunction. The clerisy has taken the nation's premier newspaper, the New York Times, and transformed it into a pravda of Marxist and racist lies like the Red Century series and Project 1619. The clerisy has taken once great universities like Yale and Berkeley and transformed them into leftist indoctrination mills where you have to call out the Marines if a conservative even gives a speech. The clerisy has stolen our entertainments, our TV, movies, and sports, and replaced them with hectoring, know-nothing comedians, actors, and athletes who ignorantly sell the self-slavery of Marxism in lieu of using their talent to create amusement, inspiration, and insight. So maybe Jonah's right and we're addicted to hating each other. He probably is right. But maybe that's because we don't know each other and can't find each other over the wall that has been built by the best and the brightest among us who have become the worst and the least. So you're trying to get through this pandemic and keep your business alive. And it's been it's been seven months since the 15 days to slow the spread. And you'll notice that one of the things that is happening is the Daily Wire is doing extremely well. We are actually surviving this uh, lockdown and the pandemic. And that, to a large extent, is because of the God King, Jeremy Boring, who has been guiding us through this. And if you want to get advice from people like that, today is the last day you can take advantage of a discounted ticket to expert Ownership Live, a virtual conference October 21st and 22nd featuring world-renowned leaders like John Maxwell, the founders of Duck Commander and Otterbox, the Benham Brothers, and the Daily Wire's God King, Jeremy Boring. The two-day virtual conference will set you up with the skills you need to lead through a crisis. You'll hear stories about the challenges of startup journeys and the tough times that come with any company and how these individuals push through failure to come out successful on the other side. This is a pretty incredible lineup, and we'd love to have you join today for only 97 bucks. Go to expertownershiplive.com slash Clavin before midnight to register for $97 with an opportunity to buy a second ticket for a friend at 50% off. You don't want to miss Jeremy. Again, that's expertownershiplive.com slash Clavin for 97 bucks today only. Go right now to expert ownershiplive.com slash Clavin to secure your spot and make sure to ask Jeremy how you spell Clavin because he will say to you, who? <laughs> but the fact, the fact is, it's K-L-A-V-A-N. <laughs> that, is, that is what he'll say, but never mind. Uh, tomorrow is the mailbag. It's one quick leap. It's a small step for a man, but it's a, it's a giant step for that screaming lady. So to get to the mailbag, you want to subscribe to dailywire.com. Go to the uh, podcast page, click the Andrew Clavin podcast, click, click the little mailbag symbol, and you can ask me anything you want. You can ask me about your personal life. You can ask me about religion. You can ask me about politics. And all my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life. Will they change it for the better? <laughs> Ah, what a stupid question. Uh, but go ahead and do that. And if you'd like to send us a video question, we love to see you and hear you. Uh, please keep it under a minute. We don't have time to edit them down and we don't have time to run them if they're longer than a minute. But if you send a video at a minute, we will take a look at it and hopefully use it on the show. Uh, so do you, I want you to think back before we start talking about what's happening. I want you to think back to that moment when 
Antifa and BLM were rioting outside the White House. Remember, they were giving a press conference and you could hear the fireworks going off and all this stuff. And they were rioting right in that park outside the White House and they burned the St. John's Episcopal Church. It was near the White House, his landmark church. And Trump had the rioters cleared out and he marched out of the White House with Bill Barr and others uh, of his contingent, his retinue, coming behind him. And he just looked like a badass. And I remember seeing that and thinking, boy, when you compare him to these trembly, little cowardly, whiny Karens of Democrats, he just looks cool. Well, who else knew that? The news media knew it, too. And do you remember they went nuts and they started spreading the lie that Trump had tear gassed peaceful protesters in order to clear the way for a photo op, an evil photo, because no politician ever had a photo op before. Remember, he stood in front of the church and he held up a Bible and they interviewed, it was Episcopal Church, so they were all radicals and they interviewed the priest there and she said, this is terrible, using the Lord God. You know, I mean, this is, the Episcopalians don't even believe in the Lord God. They're saying, you know, this is a terrible thing. Well, they did it because they cannot stand for him to look like a badass. And the reason they can't is because it makes you feel that way too, because he is the leader of the country and the leader of the free world. And it sends a message to you not to be afraid. And that is not what they want. And if you don't believe me, I will show it to you. Donald Trump was released from the hospital yesterday and he comes back and he sent out this message. This is cut number one. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're gonna beat it. We have the best medical equipment, we have the best medicines, all developed recently, and you're gonna beat it. I went, I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago, two days ago I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. So think about this for a minute. What other message, what, seriously, what other message could, could the president of the United States send to the people? I, what, what, what is he supposed to say? Listen, I got this disease. Just be afraid. Hide under your bed. Tremble like a leaf. Don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. Don't build a business. Don't op- reopen the economy. Don't do anything. Live in terror because that's we must be living in terror. And the answer is yes. That is what the press wanted him to say to you because that's who they want to be. Here's just a sampling of the press reacting to this message. Cut to. President Trump wrote on Twitter, don't be afraid of COVID, don't let it dominate your life. Almost 210,000 Americans are dead. Speaking of outrageous, uh, this outrageous tweet. Oh my goodness, Nicole, when I saw that Trump, I mean, I, I literally was overwhelmed. And now we see this tweet, which is heartless, it is uh, cruel. Jake, this is this is so disrespectful. I'm not even sure I can I can speak about this. It's incredibly, uh, incredibly disrespectful. What does that mean? Don't be afraid of it. I mean, first of all, it's it's a contagious disease that kills people. There's nowhere to even begin. It's gross. It's such a distressing moment. It's just so horrible, so, so destructive to say I feel better than I have in 20 years. That he's saying this is so disrespectful. 
Can you imagine, I'm not the only person to notice it, but can you imagine FDR 1933, I think it is, it comes out and this is the depression is underway and he says we have nothing to fear but fear itself and Jake Tapper and these other clowns, and another, nothing to, how people are out there in the streets in FDR, he's a rich man, what the, oh my, I mean, it's like, it's like Jesus, you know, Jesus, like, let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid, what, don't be afraid, what is he, he, he was crucified, you want to be crucified? This is, this is the way they are. What are we supposed to do? Of course we have to have courage. Of course you have to face life with courage. Of course you have to make choices about the risks you take. Every day you probably do something risky, like get in a car. Somebody loses that risk. Somebody every day loses the risk of getting in a car and is killed. Does anybody say, well, he got in a car. He got in a car. No, but they say it of Donald Trump. Well, he wasn't, he wasn't wearing a mask. And then Oh, my Lord, he comes in, and in this great moment, just like the moment when he walked out to go to the church, he comes out on the balcony, and he takes off his mask. This is cut 32. So that was pretty impressive, especially the part where he flew away like that. You know, you don't really see the president. All right, here it is. But here's the reaction to, to him taking off this mask, stripping off the mask dramatically on the on the balcony. This is obviously here it's gonna come. A, Here we go. A, a very different. Takes it off. An incorrect message. And you see him here. Um, he takes it off and he's getting ready for his pictures. The flags flank him. Right, Caitlin, this is what he did. This is the moment. This is what he produced it for. He wants the image to be. What the president is portraying by taking his mask off when he gets back to the Truman balcony to give this this grand return to the White House is that everything is fine. And as he said, don't let coronavirus control your life. But that is very much still a president who has coronavirus. <laughs> you know, listen, it is it can. This is a very mysterious, weird disease. It acts in weird way. It could back up and kill him. He's not. He's not a child. He knows the risks. He knows what he's doing. We all know. That we've got the news. We understand. And listen, I'm not like a fanatic about this. If I'm in, a, in an enclosed space, I wear a mask. If I'm in a place with other people inside, I wear a mask. But I don't wear it on trails. I don't wear it in my car. Jake Tapper is tweeting his stupid face from the. the uh, cafeteria at CNN where he says he's alone, he's wearing the mask. What, you know, what on earth do they want? They want you to be afraid. They want you to be afraid. And not only is it cowardly, not only is it yellow-bellied, not only are they poltroons, there's a good word, look up that one, not only is the press poltroons who are trying to sell you poltroonery, because cowards are always trying to sell cowardice, cowards are always trying to tell you that you're going to be as afraid as they are, that you're going to be as weak as they are. But it's not scientific. It's not reasonable. You know, there's a lot going on that we don't know. This It's a mysterious disease. And I'm not, some of the numbers, you know, I, I see even people on the right tweeting, oh, you know, the numbers say you've got a 99.98 chance of survival. That's probably true, but we don't even know that yet. We won't know for a long time. We don't know exactly what's going on. It's a, it's a disease. Diseases are bad and it's very contagious. But, you know, for instance, there is now evidence that, some, that these lockdowns haven't done anything. Now, again, 
this is this is all preliminary. But when you look at his in uh, National Review, Jay Richards writing, he says to judge from the evidence, mandated lockdowns had little effect on the spread of the coronavirus. The charts show the daily case curves for the United States as a whole and for 13 U.S. states. And in, as in almost every country, we consistently see a steep climb as the virus spreads followed by a transition to a flatter curve. And that's what's happened in every state and every country, no, no matter what the lockdown was. And, and then, you know, it's not like there's all, there's one consensus opinion. They keep dragging out Fauci, you know, to be afraid, be terrified. Everybody could die. You're gonna, you could die now. You could already be dead. You could be watching this dead. But, you know, there's now a great Barrington declaration signed by over 1,500 doctors and medical scientists. And they say, as infectious disease epidemiologists and public health scientists, we have grave concerns about the damaging physical and mental health impacts of the prevailing COVID-19 policies and recommend an approach we call focused protection. We come from both the left and the right and around the world, and we've devoted our careers to protecting people. And current lockdown policies are producing devastating effects on short and long-term public health. The results, to name a few, include lower childhood vaccination rates, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes, fewer cancer screenings, and deteriorating mental health, leading to greater excess mortality in years to come with the working class and younger members of society carrying the heaviest burden. Keeping students out of school is a grave injustice. And who does that hurt mostly? It mostly hurts people who don't have the parents who can educate them at home. So it mostly hurts the poor. And this is the thing. All these people sitting around parading their virtue are doing this damage to the poor. I mean, that's stuff we already know. And I know, you know, one of the reasons I had to go away yesterday is I had to do all these screenings that I kept putting off and putting off. And thank God everything's fine. But still, you know, you're taking time out that you're supposed to you're supposed to go in and get screened for things. If you're in danger, if you're just old like me, you know, you have to go in and do these things. And it's keeping people from doing it. And by the time they find out, it could be too late. So all of this stuff is dangerous. It's not just one story. And overreach by government officials is a problem, too. It's not just one thing that you look at. So, I mean, I just... This hatred of Trump that has twisted people, that has made them into these horrible things, they think that they're creating a narrative that's going to hurt Donald Trump, but what they're really doing is creating horrible people named Brian Stelter and, you know, Jim Acosta and all this. That's what you really create when you do this stuff. It is just, it's not the way Americans especially should live. I just want to play this one thing where the doctor comes out. <laughs> just, just the fact that Trump was going to leave. I mean, it was really interesting. When he first got sick, there were there were a few people who were wishing him ill. There were not, not a few, but there were pe- uh, people wishing him ill. And then Twitter said, we're going to cancel you. Uh, we're going to block you if you come out and wish people ill or if you wish Trump dead. But still, there were people saying this. And that most of all, what you were hearing was this was like some punishment from above for what he was not doing. And again, we just don't know. We do not know the effects of masks. We don't know the effects of uh, lockdown. We just don't know yet what it is. And I know some of this stuff seems reasonable. And again, I'm not a fanatic about it. I'm just saying this idea that you're to blame for getting ill. Who else would they say this about? Who else would they say this about? If Biden gets it, and uh, please, I'm not wa- wishing on him, but if he gets it, are they going to suddenly say like, oh, well, it's his fault for hiding uh, and trembling in a basement for three years because the cowardice turned him into a sick person. You know, it's just it's just a ridiculous narrative. And it's all this bile and hatred. And it's not hatred for him. It's it's hatred for him that is really hatred for you because you're not scared and you're not small and you're not giving up. 
your your freedom for them. Also, you know how to say rockauto.com. They hate when you do this. The press just, whenever, whenever they hear somebody say rockauto.com, Brian Stelter has to go to bed and cry. He does. This is absolutely true. The press just hates to hear the strength and the manliness when you say rockauto.com. And of course, women, they just fall over in a dead swoon. And on top of that, you can get parts for your car, for virtually any car, at a great price right in your computer. You don't have to get into your broken car and pretend like a child to drive down to the store and then get out and pretend to talk to a guy who'd just be looking at his computer anyway. You can go in your computer and find the auto parts you need at rockauto.com. Their catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer at a great low price. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Clavin in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. And also write Clavin in their How Do You Spell Clavin box, which is, I probably just made it up, but still, you want to spell it K-L-A-V-A-N. And just as importantly, you want to say it, Clavin. Just say the same as you I just make it look easy. It really is true. I got to play this just because just for the sheer comedy of it, that Trump's doctor comes out and announces he's going home. He's not going to stay in the hospital until the election is over. There's cut 16. So long as everything continues on the track that we're that we're experiencing right now, this time, as the president already tweeted out, is to get him home later today. And if he's still on that medication, how is it safe for him to return to the White House? So we se- uh, we send patients home with medications all the time. How was it safe for him to drive around in a cloth mask yesterday? And how is it safe for him now to return to the White House where there have been so many cases? How's any of this safe? <laughs> be safe, we gotta be safe. Nothing's safe. Nothing is safe. And again, again, I'm not being fanatic. I'm just saying you gotta live. We all have got to live. And you know, I'm I'm in more danger than some people. I mean, I'm older than some, you know, but still I go out, I have to live. I wanna live. I don't want it's it's not worth it to live hiding under your desk. It's really not. And so that's the, that is the thing that Trump is conveying. He's conveying strength. He's he, he's conveying uh, the the idea that you don't let fear dominate your life. And the press is selling the exact opposite. And they're selling this other narrative, which is totally absurd. Here is Brian Stelter broadcasting from under the sheets of his bed, clutching his dolly at the idea of uh, Trump going home. Is cut eighteen. It's not a real show of strength, but it's a performative show of strength. This is what strong men do in, in autocratic regimes. Of course, thankfully, <laughs> we are in a democracy. Uh, but this is the kind of thing you see in uh, from strong men who want to appear to be leading. It's a dear leader sort of approach. Uh, and I think that is what we are seeing on our television screens. Meanwhile, there are big questions about the cover up. You know, why won't they tell us about his testing history when he was tested? We've moved from this possibly being a cover up to actually being a cover up. I'm so curious. He's, it's, he's, the guy's literally Hitler for going home from the hospital. <laughs> Hitler did that. Hitler came home from the hospital. If Hitler, if Hitler were in the hospital today, we would not have had all that trouble we had in World War II. Here's Aaron Burnett. I love this. This is my favorite, Aaron Burnett. Uh, her, her comparison, cut 21. What we're seeing here really looks like it's like something out of North Korea. The dear leader comes out, right, with the with, with the. The, the magnificent helicopter entrance and, and up the stairs and, and off goes the mask as he pauses, you know, and preens for the for the shots. 
Yeah, I was half expecting him to, to uh, hold up a Bible at the end of that shot. Ah, see, see, they know, they remember, they remember. That's the thing they hate. They hate when he looks like a badass because they are such weak, puling people. And it is a lot, it is, I have to be honest, it's a lot like North Korea in that the leader wants photo ops a little different than North Korea and that Aaron uh, Burnett is not being murdered for insulting the dear leader. That's So, you know, some things are the same, photo ops, some things not the same, murder and oppression. You know, it's just, but, but you, gotta, you gotta see. I mean, the thing is, the differences just show how alike it is really unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. And, and, and one thing that bothers me, one thing I got to tell you bothers me, it may work. It may work. The polls have been bad for Trump, especially after that last debate. A lot of people looked at that debate and I said, I didn't like the way it came across. And even if it was a tie on the merits, I mean, I think Trump won on the merits, but on the, on the appearance, if it was a tie on the appearance, because Biden looked weak while Trump looked strong and yet Trump looked like a bully, a tie is not what he needs. What he needs is a win. He's got, he needs a big win and he needs it uh, quickly because the polls really seem to be coming apart. And some of the people, you know, they talk about the enthusiasm gap that people, I mean, it really is obvious everywhere Trump shows up, there are thousands of people uh, and everywhere Biden shows up, there's like one guy with like a Biden flag who probably gets a couple of bucks as he walks out. It's, it's embarrassing. However, however, the enthusiasm of hatred against Trump is real. Here in California, in Claremont, which is not that far away, there was a pro-Trump demonstration, which is really interesting. There have been pro-Trump demonstrations right in the middle of Midtown Manhattan as well. So a lot of lefty venues are getting pro-Trump demonstrations. People are losing their fear as well, because usually people kept keep their mouths shut in these places when they support Republicans. But with Trump, you get this kind of courage. You get this kind of idea that you too should stand up, and that's happening. And here is the reaction from anti-Trump demonstrators that literally start barking. He's got seven. I could listen to that all day. Could there be like a law that people who bark don't get the vote? You know, like if you if you actually are a human being who barks, then you get. So now we have Biden. I mean, this is the opposite, the opposite of Trump, the other side of Trump. This is the guy, you, you know, there are only two candidates. You got to choose one of them. Biden goes on a town hall. I think this is, is this NBC. I think it's NBC town hall. These are the questions he gets. This is cut five. He takes his mask off with other people who appeared to be somewhat nearby. Did you see it? Did you hear about it? What's your reaction, sir? Recent polls that 65% of Americans think the president bears some responsibility for contracting this virus. Do you agree? Can you tell us what the Biden-Harris federal response plan is that would unite our country? I noticed that President Trump was bullying you, and I'm worried that it knocked you off your game. How do I know that you're able to forcefully lead this country moving forward when being faced with unforeseen challenges and other beliefs? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And it's unbelievable that people fall for this or think this is worthwhile or think this is journalism or, or aren't ashamed of themselves. I mean, NBC, obviously, just a Democrat corporation that has been, you know, these are the guys who killed the Harvey Weinstein story. These are the guys who sell this kind of stuff. That's that's supposed to be a town hall. Do you think Trump would be getting any questions? I mean, Trump did a town hall and I think it was at ABC and actually got really tough questions and actually handled it well. And meanwhile, 
just in an unbelievable act of journalistic malfeasance, 60 Minutes, 60 Minutes finally ran the Tara Reid story. This is the woman who says she was assaulted, sexually assaulted by Joe Biden. 60 Minutes ran the story in Australia. Is that far enough away? It's like they couldn't get any further away. They ran it in 60 Minutes Australia. They gave Tara Reid finally a chance to speak. But somebody in six, at 60 Minutes in New York thought, no, we, no, we're not going to play that. Let's just hear, well, let's finally hear what Tara Reid has to say. This is cut 14. He pushed me up against the wall. And then um, he used his knee to separate my legs. Um, you're right? She was telling me to go to the police right then and to keep up what I was wearing and on and to go to the police. Why did you resist going to the police? They're there to protect the senators and congressmen. They're not there to protect us. Did you sexually assault Tara Reid? No, it is not true. What made you think, no, nah, I'm going to tell the full truth? I decided that people needed to know he's going to the highest office of the land. Well, I know what he's like. I know what his character's like. And he doesn't deserve the presidency based on what happened to me. He's been misogynistic. He's had sexual assault allegations, sexual harassment. He's a blue Trump. He's a blue Trump. He's a blue Trump. And so, like, she's obviously a Democrat. She's not going to like Trump either. And that's, you know, that's that's fine. But at least they're letting her tell us. This, this case remains a watershed to me because this is the case that is Un, inarguably, inarguably demonstrates the hatred and corruption of our press. Our cr press is entirely corrupt. It's not a little corrupt. I mean, the other day, John Roberts was complaining. He's from Fox News, and he's the White House correspondent of Fox News, and he was complaining about Kayleigh McEnany and how she keeps slapping the press around. He says, I'm sick of it. You know, physician, heal thyself. You got to look to the business you're in, which is almost entirely corrupt. I know the Brett Baer show is really good and really fair-minded in both sides. It gives good balanced reporting on both sides, but still, that's not the business you're in. The business you're in is corrupt, and this is the living proof of it. I mean, this is, you know, they hold the spotlight on things, and then other things fade into the dark, and people don't understand the psychological effect on it. They don't even understand that it has that psychological effect, even if you know it's there. That's the th power of the press. Let's let's hear the other Tara Reid cut. That was what you heard just now was a promo. Here's her direct story of what she says Biden did to her. He said, I want, he said, I want to fuck you. And he was whispering in my ear and he was kissing me and I was trying to get away from him. And um, then when I pulled away, um, you were, right? um, he had taken his hands and put them down my skirt and taken one hand and um, penetrated me with his fingers. And when I pulled away, he pulled back and he seemed, he looked at me like kind of almost annoyed. And he said, come on, man, I heard you liked me. And that's when he got, I could see that he was angry and he put his finger kind of towards my face. And he said, you know, you're nothing to me. You're nothing. Oof, wow. Uh, so, so that's, that's um, just, just in case you think Biden is any different, he was in Havana, uh, a little Havana in Miami, and some girls were dancing for him, and this was his reaction. It's cut nine. Good news is, for me, I'm here. The bad news for you is, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And I want to see these beautiful young ladies. I want to see them dancing when they're four years older, too. So it's great to see you. 
Yeah, four years older, that's when they'll be legal. I like it when they're legal. That's, uh, that's, that's your Joe Biden, ladies and gentlemen, but they're covering it up. All right, we're moving to Nashville, as you know, and we're going to have to be hiring people. So we're going to want to use ZipRecruiter so we don't make the same mistake we made last time when we hired the bunch that's running the show right now. I mean, look at it. <laughs> but that doesn't have to be that way. You know, we, they tell a story about Monica Starks here. She needed to hire uh, for a pivotal role at her construction company, GS Group, but she was having a tough time finding the right person, especially with so many candidates out there. So she switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Clavin. That's how Monica found Lamont Jenkins. She said that ZipRecruiter sent Lamont's profile to her around five minutes after she posted her job because he was a great match for the role. That's pretty, that's pretty fast. And through ZipRecruiter, Monica's company has hired everyone from accountants to project managers to field scientists, but Monica's not the only employer who loves ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So see for yourself how ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. Try it now for free. For free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Clavin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Clavin. ZipRecruiter.com slash Clavin. If you get somebody in for an interview, the first thing you should ask them, how do you spell Clavin? If he doesn't know, hire that guy because at least he hasn't been wasting his time listening to this show. <laughs> and also, if you didn't get enough politics last week, and how could you ever get enough politics in 2020? This Wednesday, that's tomorrow, right? October 7th will be the vice presidential debate. And this is going to be a consequential debate between Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. Usually these are kind of second tier debates, but not this time because everybody's going to be looking now, especially with Trump sick, everybody, and obviously Biden's going to resign almost like the day he wins. So these are going to be important debates. And Daily Wire's Matt Walsh will be live reacting to the debate, which has got to be hilarious. This is at 5.45 uh, p.m. Pacific, 8.45 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you've got to at dailywire.com to live chat with Matt on the live stream and in the comments. If you're not a part of Daily Wire already, join now as an all-access member and get 20% off with code DEBATE so you can watch all of our upcoming debate coverage live at dailywire.com, Apple TV, or Roku, and join us on All Access Live every night for online and live streamed discussions. I'll be there, I think, I think Thursday this week. But Wednesday, October 7th at 5.45 p.m., Pacific, 8.45 p.m. Eastern. You can join us and get 20% off your all-access membership with code DEBATE when you sign up today. Also, you can be in the mailbag tomorrow where all your problems will be solved. I just want to stick with uh, Biden just a little bit more, you know, uh, talking about he was uh, talking about Roe versus Wade on this town hall. Uh, and it's just it's just amazing stuff that comes out of his mouth. Uh, this is a guy who once he's uh, theoretically a Catholic. I mean, he goes to church and he says he carries around a rosary. Uh, but he and he used to oppose using federal funds for abortion. But he just blows with the wind. This is cut four. We don't know exactly what she will do, although the expectation is that she may very well move to overview, overview overrule Roe. And but the only thing, the only responsible response to that would be to pass legislation making Roe the law of the land. That's what I would do. 
as obviously talking about Amy Coney Barrett, and uh, first of all, they're not going to overrule Roe v. Wade, I don't believe. But if they did, it would be because they would figure it was not a matter for the federal government. It was a matter for the states. So how would he be able to pass the law would then be unconstitutional that he passed? So it makes no sense. But nobody seems to care about this. However, I got to play my favorite line. Why Joe Biden feels that he's been able to hide in the basement all this time is cut 25. Because the American public, the blinders have been taken off. They've all of a sudden seen a hell of a lot clearer. They've seen, geez, the reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. <laughs> Can you imagine Trump saying? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Could you imagine Donald Trump saying that? My my friend, Obianuju Ikiyosha, who's, we call her Uju because who can pronounce her name? She, she's a biomedical scientist and obviously a big pro-life crusader. She heard that and she tweeted, oh dear, after working at my pathology lab tomorrow, I have to remember to run over to the local grocery store to keep the grocery shelves stocked. <laughs> you know, it's like, pick me up some... Pop-Tarts, who do, I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable. But they like Biden for if, for nothing else. Obviously a Democrat, and they're all Democrats. Obviously he's going to be controlled by the left. They're all leftists. But also he is selling the fear agenda that Trump won't sell. They asked him if he's going to debate Trump while Trump uh, has uh, COVID. And this is what he says, cut 26. What kinds of safety precautions would you like to see? Would you like it to be a virtual debate? No, I, look, it's the doctor's... Listen to the science. If the scientists say that, I'm sorry. If the scientists say that it's safe and the distances are safe, then I think that's fine. I'll do whatever the experts say is the appropriate thing to do. That's great. That's what we need in the present. I'll do it. If they tell me it's safe to debate somebody, I'll do that. If they tell me it's safe to face down Putin, then I'll face down Putin. But if they tell me he might get mad and bomb me, then I won't. You know, that's, that's the president we need. They need you afraid because when you're afraid, you get in line. When you fall in line, who gets the power? The elites, the clerisy, they get the power. And that's what they're looking for. You know, you know, uh, the governor of uh, Michigan, Uber Stormfuhrer Gretchen Wittmer, we should call her Gretchen Wittmer. Uh, she she just got struck down. The Mich- Michigan Supreme Court voted seven to nothing that her these incredible restrictions, she has kept Michigan under lockdown forever, right? And these incredible restrictions she's had, they said they were unconstitutional. So she says she's not going to let that stop her. It was cut six. After the Republican legislature sued to take away my executive authority, this past Friday, the Michigan Supreme Court struck down the statute under which I issued executive orders to save lives and protect Michigan families, our frontline workers and small businesses. As a result of the court and legislature's action, our COVID-19 cases will very likely go up. There will be uncertainty, disruption, and possibly greater risk to our economy, more people quarantined, and more deaths. The ruling does not mean that the orders I issued violated the law. Although I disagree with the conclusion, the court held the law was unconstitutional, meaning the legislature never had the power to pass it in 1945. In fact, the court made clear that I interpreted the 1945 law correctly. And the ruling does not mean all the protections we have will go away. I have additional powers that I will use to protect our families from the virus. I just, you know, as a public service here on the Andrew Clavin show, I just like to translate that into the original German. Speaking of which, 
Andrew Cuomo, they're starting to try and lock down New York again, which is a disaster for people, a disaster for businesses, a disaster for children, a disaster for everybody in New York if they do this. But, but Andrew Cuomo is especially focused on the Jews because the Jews, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, just play Keep my mic open. I'll translate this into German simultaneously. I have to say to the Orthodox community uh, tomorrow, uh, uh, if you're not willing to live with these uh, rules, then I'm going to close the synagogue. I have had a 30-year relationship with the Orthodox community. It goes back to my father. Uh, I have a very close personal relationship with them. This is the last thing I want to do. I don't, I'm sorry, I just don't believe him. It's the last thing they want to do. They are addicted to this. They're, you know, and the thing is, <laughs> in the moment, any given decision might be right or wrong. And that's not the point. That's not the point. The point is, it, it deteriorates the culture of freedom. It's the same thing with social media. Social media sees that Biden is ahead and they're afraid the Democrats will get angry at them. So now they've gone nuts censoring people. They're censoring Mark Levin. I mean, you know, before I, I, I said this at the time, I said this at the time, you know, they were censoring kind of radicals, guys on the outer fringe. And I said, we have to stand up for these people because eventually they're going to be censoring me. They're going to be censoring Ben. They're going to be censoring Mark Levin. That's what they're doing on social media now partly to protect themselves, partly because they're leftists too. And it's not just bad because it actually censors people. It's bad because it helps to deteriorate the culture of the First Amendment. The First Amendment is just a piece of paper. It's just writing on a piece of paper. It will not stand unless people understand that it, it has to be inside them. The First Amendment has to be written on your on your cells. It has to be flowing in your blood. And they slowly, slowly erode it by making you feel like, oh, if I go on Twitter, they'll take my Twitter account away. If I say the wrong thing, I'll take my Facebook. They'll block me. They'll put a, a warning on me. That's what they want. They want that fear. They want that fear constantly. And, you know, this is Biden knows this, too. Biden is part of this. And he, he may not even intend it. He may not even intend it. He's just part of the culture that promulgates it. Here he is talking about what he's going to do when he's president about masses. Cut 24. I was glad to see the president speaking and recording videos over the weekend. Now that he's busy tweeting campaign messages, I would ask him to do this. Listen to the scientists. Support masks. Support a mask mandate nationwide. Require masks in every federal building and facility and interstate travel. Urge every governor and mayor to do the same. We know it saves lives. Yes. The, the fear, the fear. This is why Bernie Sanders knows this. This is what Bernie Sanders says, cut 22. It is no secret. No great secret at all that Joe Biden and I have differences of opinion. But I also want to tell you that in fairness to Joe, if his campaign proposals were to be implemented, <laughs> they would significantly improve the lives of tens of millions of working families and would make Joe Biden the most progressive president of the United States since Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Fear, conformity, progressivism, they all go together. 
They go hand in hand, and that's what they're selling, and that's what they're living. They don't have to do it on purpose because it's part of their own culture. It's in their minds. It's in their blood, and that's where they want it. They want it in your mind, and they want it in your blood as well. You know, I sometimes wonder, I sometimes hear the terrible, terrible things that socialists say. And I'll say this, on the far right, if we can call it the far right, on the radical white supremacist right, if if that's even part of the right, I hear the same thing, an absolute indifference to any sense of true moral wisdom. When you wish somebody dead because you disagree with his politics, that sort of thing. When you wish people that people should be spied on, when you think that they should be, uh, their freedoms should be curtailed, when you think that's fair, it is because you have put an ideal above the only first ideal there can be, which is love your neighbor, love God, love the people that he made in his image. This, this is the thing, socialism, racism, most of the isms, even capitalism, if you do it too far, if you go too far with it, puts something before the guy standing next to you. And it is the human being, the individual standing next to you that you have to be thinking about all the time because that will be your guide back to his creator and back to a true moral outlook on life. They're trying to make you so afraid that you give up your freedom. They're trying to make you so afraid that you grasp onto their utopian ideals. But all of that stuff just leads down the road into darkness which is where they also want you to go. I'm going to stop there. The mailbag is tomorrow. Gather your problems around you. Kiss them on the head. Say goodbye. They'll all be gone by the end of the show tomorrow. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review. And also tell your friends to subscribe, too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.